Hello and welcome to Atlantic Conversations. I'm Fanula Sweeney. The Atlantic Fellowship Programme works with a diverse community of leaders around the world with a common commitment to fairer, healthier, more inclusive societies. Through its seven programmes focused on equity and healthcare, socio-economic equity and racial equity, the Atlantic Fellowships offer those leaders an opportunity to gain new perspectives and new colleagues, while strengthening their confidence in their work for change. In each podcast, I'll be speaking to an Atlantic Fellow about their work and ambitions for a more just world. For this series, I travelled to Sao Paulo, Brazil, for the Global Brain Health Institute Annual Conference, where I caught up with a number of Atlantic Fellows. Today, I'm joined by Rogero Panizutu, an Atlantic Fellow for Equity and Brain Health. Rogero is an Associate Professor at the Federal University of Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. I began by asking him what had prompted his interest in brain health. Since I started the medical school, I've been looking for where the biggest challenge will be found, and that's the brain. So I think that the person that works with the brain is going to have job forever because you always have questions about the brain. You always have to learn about the brain. What sparked your interest in dementia prevention? We talk nowadays about the big challenge societies have been facing that is related to the aging of the population. So we have to learn more about how the brain ages and how the brain develops or not dementia. Dementia is such a huge challenge for the society that most everybody that's worried about the brain have to be worried about dementia, have to be worried about how the brain degenerates. Dementia also is a group of disease that comes later in our lives, but such diseases, they are so much related to the way we spend our lives, the consequence of what we've been doing over our life. So It's not a disease of old age. Unless it's genetic, you're saying it's a disease that you get through lifestyle factors. Exactly. So there are some studies showing that between 30 to 35% would be modifiable factors. In other words, it means that more than one-third of the risk to get a dementia is not genetic. It's dependent on our way of life. So you have basically 30 to 35% less people in the world getting dementia if wow, they change their lifestyles. It means that if we impact how the society is aging now, that we're going to get a good impact in terms of how the society is going to get dementia or not. What is it you're researching specifically at the moment? My research has been focused on how to improve, how to remediate the brain in terms of brain disorders or aging. We know that as you get older, after the 30s, your brain processing is not so efficient. We got troubles in several cognitive domains. But would you necessarily notice that in your 30s or 40s? That depends on the cognitive reserve of the person and the demands that you have in your daily life. How do you build up cognitive reserve? There are a lot of associative studies showing that people that read more, for instance, professors at the university and so on, have a lower risk of developing dementia. And that's been attributed to their cognitive reserves. At the same time, we consider now that we're building cognitive reserve every time that we're exercising our brains. Let's say if I'm learning piano or if I'm doing formal education or even if I'm doing physical exercise. Or learning another language. Learning another language is a classic example, yeah. Talk to me a little bit more about the kind of work that you're doing and what you hope to achieve from it. 
The idea is to promote the brain reserve by means of exercise on digital platforms such as computers, laptops, or tablets to use those digital platforms as a way to train your brain and make it work better. With those exercises, you can improve, you can speed up your brain processing so you make your brain more efficient, more reliable, and so on. The one that we use that have been participating in the development is called Brain Age Key. We have been working on those platforms, offering this to different populations here in Rio de Janeiro and now in Ireland as well. What does the testing involve and how long does it take to get the results? We do different models of study. We've been doing studies where people come to the lab. We do a lot of evaluation then. We do EEGs, even eye tracking studies and collect blood samples and do a lot of cognitive testing. Then this person goes for training. After 20 hours of training, we assess then again. And then 20 more hours of training, then we assess them. Then six months later, they come to the lab again, we assess them again. We've been doing this in schizophrenia and elderly here in, in Rio de Janeiro. So people who have years. schizophrenia and are elderly. Yeah, so those have been the focus in the last five years here in, in Rio de Janeiro. But now we're starting patients with bipolar disorder and more recently mild cognitive impairment as well. Is it possible to talk about what you've found so far? In people more than 60 years old that has no major neurological problems, we could see a significant improvement in attention in the group that have been doing training with an average of 70, 70-something. 70 it's interesting that in schizophrenia subjects, we did also see an impact on attention and also in reasoning. The idea is to have the brain working out in a very integrative way, not only doing like memory exercise, but also improving the way the brain learns, how the brain listens the sounds, watch the visual stimuli in the world around them. How long is the study going to continue? We are doing several studies. We finished a study where we invited 100 people in a retirement association to do the training. Besides that, we have projects going on in the university. We have the one in schizophrenia, the other one with elderly, and the third one now is starting with mild cognitive impairment as well. When do you think you will have collected enough data to be able to know which direction to take this? We are now finishing our first block of studies, some focus on the cognition, others are focused on quality of life or even some biomarkers like of neuroplasticity. So we have several lines of research going on around this. And besides that, as a fellow at the GBHI, I got the possibility to integrate in my work a social view of the question. So now we are moving to integrate social methods into our study. We are always challenged by how to make people engage on training, how to make people do training with minimal resources, like, say, staff and so on. If you empower the people with the idea that they can learn, they can train, instead of just saying to them what they have to do, they feel more confident in terms of doing so. And with minimal resource, we've been able to follow the patients for three months and see the impact of these interviews, these community readiness interviews on the engagement of the person for training. So we are very excited about that. This is a project that's my pilot grant. And it's going on. This is on the pilot grant from yeah. the Global Brain Health Institute and the Alzheimer's Association. Exactly. Going on between Ireland, in Dublin, and in Rio de Janeiro. Do you think that the platforms that you're developing now and testing could be used on younger people, perhaps in school, to educate them about brain health and building up cognitive reserve? 
the exercise were designed first to be used in children with dyslexia. The idea was to improve their auditory processing in a way to make them more able to work with language. And that's what happened. So then they decided, my supervisor at that time, Professor Michael Merzani, to study also the aging process. So they adapted the exercise that are designed to be done in children to the adult population. Here in Brazil, the kids' exercises are not translated to Portuguese, but we have the adult version of that. So the adult games are translated in Portuguese, but they're not available for children yet in Portuguese. Yeah, we don't have the children version. But since that a lot of children have been doing use the adult version because some therapists, they give this to their patients in a way to improve their processing and so on. These are your platforms being given. That's exciting. Yes. So where do you see these platforms maybe in 10, 15, 20 years? Great potential in brand health promotion. I like this word, health promotion. That's something that really sparked my mind when I was in medical school, the idea to promote health instead of treating disorders. So I see this as enormous potential as a brain health promotion with minimal resource. If we have more initiative to learn more and see more and more how effective we can do that, we can really have an impact in the society. And that's something that I've been dreaming of since I was in medical school. I would love to do research that has an impact. And I think the dementia needs a positive impact. Do you think that the Global Brain Health Institute and the award that you were given along with the Alzheimer's Association of 25,000 US dollars is contributing to making that impact? Yes, for me it was important because Brazil is facing this financial challenge that affect my group. So at least with this 25,000, I've been able to keep some other stuff doing. What is the situation for brain health in Brazil overall? I mean, is there awareness about brain health? The awareness is low. Education is a challenge in my country. This is a challenge in a city like Rio de Janeiro. Can you imagine about brain awareness in Amazonia or in the northeast, the small village in the countryside? We have both just attended the annual GBHI Alzheimer's Association Satellite Symposium in Sao Paulo, where there were many fellows from South America. What is your sense of what this growing number of fellows in this part of the world, in this region, is doing for brain health in general, but dementia prevention specifically? Do you see yourselves working together more closely? I see a big potential for people working together. The best asset we got from that program was the networking. The fact that I got in touch with many different people gave us a different perspective and also different possibilities. So I see this as a great opportunity for us to do things that are cross-disciplines, cross-approach. For example, Victor Valkur, the executive director of Global Brand Health Institute, he was giving a lecture to a group of my students and some other people in the University of Rio de Janeiro in the Institute of Psychiatry. And it was great to see how the work that I've been doing, the lessons I've been learning and sharing with the discussions with my colleagues or fellows at the GBGI are impacting not only me, but also my students. They are very attentive to what Victor was saying. It means that we are spreading the word in a good sense. They will leave it. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. That was Rogero Panizutu, Atlantic Fellow for Equity and Brain Health. For more information, you can visit www.atlanticfellows.org. I'm Fanula Sweeney, and you've been listening to the Atlantic Conversations podcast.